Welcome to Tin Pan Alley. I and I'm floating. I'm never this open, but you make me wanna try. Lost in the moment. I'm gone and I know it. I could do this all night. My name's Joe, and I created this podcast for everyone who loves songwriting and art and everything creative as much as I do. I'm so glad you tuned in, and I hope you'll enjoy this episode. May it inspire you to be creative. Hello, Charlotte. It's so nice to have you on the show and that you made time. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad you're here and I just find what you're doing really inspiring. And I mean, where do we even start? Like if you were supposed to explain to someone who doesn't know you yet, what are you doing? What would you say? Oh, God, <laughs> the hardest question to start with. <laughs> I mean, I would say I'm a songwriter. Um, that's what everything started with. I write songs and I'm also an author. Uh, it came kind of hand in hand. Um, then I do a lot of things kind of to support being a songwriter and an author, but I would say those are the main things I do. I also have a podcast. I, uh, I run workshops and uh, I teach yoga, but uh, songwriting and, and my books are <laughs> my main things. <laughs> yeah, that's so amazing. And I'm just so inspired by all the things that you're exploring with your work. But uh, I feel your focus or your roots really are in music. Um, is that right? Yeah, I mean, it's so hard to say because it changes every hour and <laughs> every season. But um, what's been really nice is that I've been writing books now for, for many years. And what I found is a really nice way to kind of divide the year. So I usually work on an album for, you know, pretty much a year, actually. Uh, and when I have released a record, oh my God, the last thing I want to do is to just go back and make another record. I am like completely empty. I have said everything I wanted to say on those songs. I worked so hard on it. So then I usually say like, okay, cool. I'm just going to be an author now. And then I go off and I, I write the book for um, half a year or a year. And when I have published a book, the last thing I want to do is write another book because I'm like, I've said everything I wanted to say. So then I'm super inspired to, to go back and make a record. So I, I think I'm using them as, as ways to also stay motivated with both, both things and to have like one focus at a time so I can refuel the other part of me, I think. So like a creativity circle, basically? Exactly, yes. Yeah, because I think definitely... Um, writing music makes me a better author and, and studying literature and learning how to, how to write better definitely makes me a better songwriter too. So yeah, it's like the circle of, the circle of life. Yeah, that's true. That's awesome. Um, and what I really do like about your work, um, for example, your Instagram posts is that it, you know, there's this symbiosis between music and poetry. And I feel like you can't really divide the two. Do you agree with that? Um, I mean, it's a good question. I think maybe at some point I would have agreed with that. But now um, I a, a big part of what I do is writing music for other artists. Writing for another artist, it's very, it's very like 
um, mathematical. What is on the charts? What are they looking for? How how we're we gonna write this song so that it fits this kind of um, structure and you know this genre and this playlist. Uh, and I, I love that too, but it's very different. And I would say that kind of process for me is not so poetic. Um, but then maybe like actually the magic happens when you can take that kind of mainstream process and hear the, the poetry in it. Um, so yeah, maybe you need a little bit of poetry in, in everything, maybe you're right. Yeah, and I can totally understand what you just said about uh, one being maybe a bit more of a profession for you. So when you write songs for others. But yeah, um, I feel like when you write poetry for yourself, it's probably more of a soul thing, right? Um, but I mean, I'm not saying that you're not pouring your soul into the work you do. I guess it's just um, a different sort of um, purpose behind it. Yeah, I mean, I think... Um... God, I could, I could talk for like hours about this, but I think uh, the hard thing when you're trying to build a career on something that is so soulful as writing poetry or writing music or writing fiction or whatever, um, it, you, you do lose a little bit of like poetic magic when you make a business plan and you make a marketing plan and you make a digital strategy and you create an ad strategy and like it becomes you know you have to turn it into a profession at some point if you want it to be um but it is those things even now I've done this for so many years and I have to remind myself sometimes of like hey you're you're supposed to just like live your dream you know and then I always go back to reading the books that I fell in love with when I was younger and listening to the records that I loved when I was younger to like remind myself of, oh, it's about, you know, it's, it's supposed to be about poetry and not just a business plan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think both of them are valid, you know, I mean, both the business aspect and the authenticity aspect I think both have their place for sure. And oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But If it's your profession, I think maybe there's a different kind of expectation towards your art and your creativity. So what do you do when you ever get stuck in a rut creatively? What inspires you to keep creating? Um, I find inspiration, I mean, God, everywhere. It's such a boring answer, but really everywhere. From my own life, from the people I meet, from what I'm going through what I see my friends go through but also traveling has been such a huge part of who I am and what I do obviously not this year but before this year um, I've lived like such a nomad the last 10 years um, just going to a new place and living there for a few months that gives me so many new stories but but honestly when I feel like I have no inspiration to write music or uh, on a book What always brings me back is finding a song that I just like, wow, this is incredible. This makes me feel all kinds of feelings. I want to write a song that makes other people feel the same way, kind of. And the same with, with books. When I have no motivation to write, I find a new author and I fall in love with her writing. And I'm like, oh, I, I just really want to learn to write in order to touch someone the way that this touched me. So I think what, what inspires me the most is just other people's art, really. Yeah, 
Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so what kind of books and artists have inspired you so far? Yeah. Oh, where to start? So many. Um, uh, if I start with music, I would say my all-time favorite band that I've listened to my entire life um, is Counting Crows. I found them when I was like 14 and um, they have a song called Round Here that I listened to when I was, yeah, like 14. And that song was the first time that I was like, oh, I really want to become a songwriter in order to write like this. Um, and that band has followed me all through the years. Um, I also love Copeland, another um, band from America that I've loved since I was a teenager. Um, Anna DeFranco has been a huge inspiration to me. She was the first female vocalist that I um, that made me want to learn how to sing. I would say I learned to sing by miming to her records and <laughs> singing along. Um, and when it comes to books, I mean, it has changed a lot through the years, but I, um, when I first moved away from Sweden, where I'm from, I was living on the road for a couple of years and I found, you know, the Beats poets, they, they definitely introduced a new way of living for me, a new way of thinking about life. And I loved how uh, raw and bold and kind of dirty their language was. It just reflected the way that I was living at the time. I loved um, Charles Bukowski and Jack Kerouac and um, yeah, the, the beat poets really. Um, I would say they have inspired me probably the most. Um, yeah. Yeah, and Kerouac's book is literally called On the Road, right? <laughs> exactly, yes. And, and you know, it's so funny how everything is so synced because I, I was living on the road and I was very, very lost. I didn't know where I was going. And I, um, I found most of the books that I fell in love with back then, I found at like secondhand book markets in England. And I found On the Road one day, I had never heard of it, strangely enough. And I just read it and fell in love with the idea of living like that. And it just gave me this boost of like, oh, someone else has already done this journey and I'm kind of at the start of it. And it just like felt like he was my grandpa in a weird way. <laughs> yeah, like a soulmate in book form, maybe. Exactly. Yeah, so spiritual soulmate. <laughs> I think this is definitely something I can tell from your lyrics and poetry that you've just been inspired by so many great artists um, and that you're just drawing from yeah, an immense source of inspiration. And... I feel like that definitely shows in your poetry um, that you've been inspired yourself. And yeah, but you've also had an inspiring biography so far. So maybe you can tell us a bit about that. So you moved from Sweden to London at a very young age. You were only 18 at that time. And you've since lived in five countries, am I right? Yeah, so yes, exactly. I moved from Sweden to London when I was 18. And by then I was not really, I, I was kind of writing a journal, but I did not have any thought of ever writing a book. I didn't even know that, that was a possibility. I just really wanted to be a songwriter. That was my only goal. So um, I moved to London and I just, that was my like single focused thing. 
Um, but during the first year in London, I was kind of searching for people who had done that journey before. I was, I remember I was Googling blogs of like trying to be a songwriter in Nashville or New York or London. And I couldn't really find the story that I was kind of searching for. So I thought, okay, then I am just going to write down my own story so someone else can find it. So I started sharing just my daily struggles, I would say, of trying to become a songwriter in London. I shared it on my Tumblr blog back then. Tumblr was like the, the best thing that ever happened to me, honestly. I loved Tumblr so much. Um, so I started sharing my writings there and journals and, and small pieces of my days. And my Tumblr just kind of I, I built a following there of my writings very fast. And I guess... Um, they were intrigued by, by this journey. So two years later, I think it was, I kind of posted something saying, hey, if I would um, write a book about those years, would someone be interested? And then I, you know, it was nice because I already had a following then and everyone was so excited. So then I released my first album and my first book um, together. They went hand in hand and um, yeah. It just went from there. And your first book was kind of about your own story, um, kind of like an autobiography. Yes, exactly. So my first book was called Empty Roads and Broken Bottles. I released it in 2013. And uh, that book was about my move to London, trying to um, stay on this, this path and build this new life for myself. Um, yeah, so I mean... I shouldn't go too much into details because it's very boring, but uh, I was in London for uh, one and a half years and then I couldn't afford it anymore. So I gave up my apartment. I spent one and a half years just crashing at friends and fans' couches and floors and train stations and airports. And that's when I wrote my first album and my first book. Then I moved to Bristol in England. And I was there, I was floating around for a bit to so Scotland. And then I moved to Berlin. And there I lived for two years. Then I moved to Hamburg. And then I gave up that apartment and I floated around for a couple of years again. I lived for a little bit in Portugal, in Bali, uh, in Spain. And what am I missing? I was in Greece for a bit. And now I live in Berlin again. <laughs> Amazing. It sounds like you were living the dream. I mean, in hindsight, yes. But when I was floating around, I was just desperately trying to find a home. So yeah, I guess it, now I can, it feels like I was living the dream, but I was just very lost also, to be honest, which I think also goes hand in hand, maybe. Yeah. And when I look at some of the titles of your earlier songs, it seems like the word home um, plays an important role there. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, when you say it, I, I definitely think so. Because I, I, I did leave my home very early. And even then, I had never really felt at home where I grew up, I think. So, yeah, I guess I have searched for a place that I where I feel at home forever. Um, and I'm, I'm not sure I found it yet, but maybe also I think growing up shows you that the, the feeling of being at home has nothing to do with a city or a house. It is definitely a place in yourself, you know, when you know that I can make a home anywhere because I feel at home in myself. But um, it takes 
it takes many years to to get there yeah it's a process i'm sure another theme that i found in your songs and poetry in general is yeah the topic of self-care and i feel like that you have a lot of really helpful things to say about that but where does that come from um how and why did you decide to implement that aspect in your work yeah i'm really happy you picked up on that um so i would say um i i started getting into all that maybe five five years ago six years ago i was like i said living on the road i was touring a lot and I, i've always been touring all by myself um and i was very 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 scared and worried and unstable i had no you know stability in my life i was always worried about the next rent if i could have if i would afford uh, doing this another month um i felt so lonely for many years and i developed a very strong anxiety um i had panic attacks very often and um just this like constant worrying and through that i um through just seeking i found the the yoga the yogic teachings and meditation and um, the Eastern philosophies. And that helped me tremendously. Um, just creating a daily practice for myself with meditation and yoga and studying, um, you know, the, the, the philosophies. Um, it opened a whole new way of living for me. And through that, I, I also became very interested in psychology you know, the more kind of scientific way of viewing the mind. Um, so that those two things, the, the spirituality and psychology, um, they together, I think, has taught me this kind of self-care practice that I'm doing. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's so important, even just this year with the lockdowns, I mean, being forced to stay inside and not socialize, that is not normal for a human being like we're created to be around other human beings and that was super hard for me so I got through that by visualizing and creating super clear mental pictures in my head and meditation and breath work and and all of that and as soon as I if I go a week without doing those practices I can feel my anxiety just slowly slowly like bubbling up again so um, yeah, I think it's super important for for everyone. Yeah, and I feel super strongly about um, raising mental health awareness and talking about mental health and well-being. And I feel like it's only starting to be acceptable, though. I feel like in previous generations, um, it was more of a taboo to to even mention those topics and struggles. A hundred percent. And I'm very happy. I can just see when I was a bit younger, um, maybe, you know, 13, 14, 15, um, it was still very kind of, you don't really talk about if you're, uh, if you have anxiety or if you feel depressed or if you're struggling with an eating disorder, it was something that you're like, you know, try to not talk about it too loud because nobody really knew what it was and it was kind of weird and you know, and I'm really grateful today, there are so many powerful people who are so open about struggling with these things. We have 
like celebrities who are um, kind of standing for all kinds of, of mental health issues. And it's so important just to show people that there is nothing that you feel that other people also don't feel. Like there's nothing you can go through or that you can feel that is weird or that no one else has ever felt because we're really just copies of each other. Um, and I think that's very important. If you're feeling depressed, you're not alone. There are so many other people who feel exactly what you're feeling and you know, you can, you can learn from, from them too. Yeah, that's comforting. Um, and I feel like even just by us talking about this right now, I hope uh, that anyone listening feels a little bit more courageous to um, talk about these things and to take care of themselves, um, especially in this year, which I think 2020 has been hard for everyone, really. Yeah, yeah, it has. And, and you know, just on that, I, I think it has been so hard. And I find comfort knowing that every single human being on the planet has gone through the same thing you know and th that just makes me feel like oh okay well if they got through it I can get through it I think the hard part is when you feel like you're going through something alone which is why it's so important to just like hey I'm struggling with this is there someone else <laughs> you know and I'm sure you're gonna get hundreds of people who say yes me too <laughs> yeah yeah And I hope that this pandemic really has, um, I don't know, it's, it's just a wish, really, a, a hope um, that this pandemic might contribute to us coming closer together somehow as humans um, and in a paradox way, because, yeah, obviously we've been separated from each other for so long, but knowing we're on this together, maybe, maybe it has the potential to connect us. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's a very beautiful thought. I, I hope so, at least. Yeah, maybe this would be one of the few positive outcomes from all of this, maybe. Um, yeah, but so you have published four books so far. Um, and maybe you can tell us a bit about that. So I love the title of your last book, which is called You're Doing Just Fine. Um, so that's my third book. And my fourth book is Everything Changed When I Forgave Myself. Oh, I love that title too. Thank you. Thanks. And I feel like reading your books and, and your book titles and the poems, um, it almost feels like breath work <laughs> to me. It feels like, you know, you can calm down and speak some calming words to yourself and, I don't know, focus, yeah, focus on what matters in the moment and... Um, I mean, I think it's really important to even be able to say these things to each other. Things like, you're doing just fine, or mm. you can forgive yourself. And I mean, when do we really say right. these things to each other? Yeah, and I actually, that book, You're Doing Just Fine, um, I wrote that book to younger me. When I was writing it, I was kind of, I was uh, seeing, like, Five year younger me and I looked at her like a little sister and I thought if I could say anything to this younger girl what would it be well I, I would tell her you're, you're doing just fine you know just stop worrying so much just keep going um so that whole book kind of was a letter to younger me and I hope I hope that's I, that's what I wanted to feel when other people read it like it's a letter from 
from their older sister or something. <laughs> hmm, yeah. And I think that's such a great idea um, to sort of talk to your younger self. And by doing that, you you are also giving yourself, your younger self, hope. Yeah, for sure. Because I, you know, I think, I hope everyone can look back at younger, their younger self. And I think everyone can kind of tell them, well, you thought that that was a big problem, but I promise it's really not. If you look at it from five years, <laughs> you know, or, or you like, you can say, okay, those things that you are so concerned about right now, just believe that's gonna be okay and just keep moving, you know? I think wherever we are in life, we always turn things so huge. And then we look back and like, it wasn't so bad, you know, you, you got through it. So yeah, I mean, you're always smarter uh, <laughs> from a couple of years, but um, yeah, that's what I would always say to myself. Like, don't worry so much. It's gonna be okay. Hmm. Yeah, that's really cool. I love that. And I think that's also something you can say to yourself, like even thinking of your future self um, in five years, maybe um, how would she talk to you? How What would she say to you? And yeah, I think that's a fascinating angle and perspective to take. But thinking of things that fascinate us, um, is there maybe a spontaneous song lyric or line that you find fascinating or inspiring lately? Oh my god. Um, I would need time to think about this. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I immediately go in my mind just when you said it, I started going through Annie DeFranco lyrics. Um, she is just, god, she's so incredible. Her lyrics are, oh, her mind is just intellectual and the way she can, she can write um, I can't really find a lyric that kind of sticks out, but uh, just honestly pick, pick out any song with her and her lyrics are just stunning. So just her whole style. What is it about her style that you find so inspiring? Um, I mean, since she's, a, she's an, a songwriter and an artist, um, the first thing that I fell in love with, with her was her voice. Um, I kind of, you know, I grew up with the the Britney Spears and the Christina Aguilera's and it was Mario Carey on the radio and it was all about like girls being pretty with a pretty voice and I was kind of a bit sick of it I'm like oh god I don't want to be that kind of I don't want to be that kind of girl and then I found Andrew Franco and she is this activist she's very political and she stands for a lot of things and um, she's she's an incredible singer, but she's not using her voice to show off or to you know show off how many scales she can do. She's using her voice to um, express her very strong lyrics. She's all about. She has a message, and she wants to get that through. And how she's using a voice is all whatever it takes to truly express those lyrics. Sometimes she's like rapping. Sometimes she's laughing in the middle of the song. Sometimes she's like talking and then she's singing and then she's screaming. And it's like, it's very just, uh, and then sometimes she goes back and like whispers, whatever is needed to like draw the listener in. And I, that's what I found when I started listening to her. I was in, you know, sometimes you can listen to a song and 
it's the perfect kind of soundtrack and you're just going through your day and it's all awesome. But with Andy DeFranco, I kind of had to sit down and just like give her my full attention because it was a full show she gave me with so many emotions. Um, and, and she's still an acoustic artist. It's usually an acoustic guitar, her voice, maybe like a percussion. And still her, her music gives me more emotions than a full band usually gives me. Um, so I think what inspires me with her is she is so precise in what she wants the listener to feel. And she has such a strong message um, with everything she says. And she's also written books and, and poetry. Um, so, so she's just also like a big inspiration when it comes to just being a person. Yeah. Yeah. And just expressing yourself in many ways. That's um, just really valuable. I also think it's interesting that you mentioned um, political songs because I feel like we live in such weird political times, really. And um, so what is your view on, on writing political songs? Are your songs political? No, they're definitely not political. And I'm not a political person. Um, I, God, I wish I was more educated about it. But honestly, every time I try to educate myself about it, I just get sad or angry or anxious. So, um It's such a hard balance. I want to stay updated and I want to know what's going on. But I also want to have a good day. <laughs> so, um, you know, there's a balance. But no, my music is a free place from politics. Um, my, my music and my art are, um, I want to keep them very much away from that, from the government. <laughs> yeah, but that's also a bit refreshing, to be honest, um, to have like a mm. safe space from all the political craziness um i think that's also very valid yeah and you know what i think you're right it is so important to to voice what you believe in and um you know uh, stand for something and I, i i hope i do by just living i'd like to believe that the way i treat people and talk to people and live my life is a statement of what i believe in um but i also do believe If you are an artist and you want to put politics into it, 100% go for it. I admire you for it. I look up to you for it. I just, uh, God, I couldn't do it because I can't even think about politics without being anxious. <laughs> so my music is also my way to calm myself down. So it needs to be my, my free space. And again, that's absolutely valid. Um, and I think creating that safe space, as you said, um, is also important uh, for for a functioning society. So we both need the political discourse and the debates and everything. We need uh, to, yeah, be able to um, come together and have important conversations. But we also need to be able to um, rest and, um, yeah, have a have a mind space where that isn't the dominant thing to think about. For sure. Yeah, because, you know, also while the world is having a political trauma, people have their own personal traumas and they're just as important. So maybe my, my music can be about personal traumas and then someone else covers their political <laughs> trauma. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I mean, I think that's also an important 
aspect, um, you know, that I think sometimes with all the big things going on in the world, mm -hmm. we can forget that um, that everyone is also having personal issues and battles. And yeah. while we're maybe busy dividing the world up into um, categories and parties and all of these things, um, we're all still human and, and we're all facing problems of some sort. Yeah, I mean... Just think about it like I think everyone has been through a really really terrible heartbreak where you feel like your world is ending and while the world was you know holding their breath because of an American election I'm sure there was a 15 year old girl who had her heart broken for the first time and that was all she cared about <laughs> you know we all know how like the first heartbreak it's like the end of the world for you so, yeah, what's happening in the world is super important, but people are also going through their own little earthquakes. Hmm. And, and maybe it's a mistake to think that the large events um, in the world are more important than the small things that, that move us. Um, I think it's also on your website, you wrote somewhere that um, the little things are, are in the end really the important things. Oh, for sure. Yeah, because, you know, um, you can have a world with the most functioning systems and stable leadership and people will still have mental health issues and be depressed and not know what to do with their lives and get heartbroken or get into accidents or lose people they love. And it's like, I mean, that's what life becomes for individuals it's their own little life stories yeah and these things are just as valid um i have to think of your third book uh, where you wrote um to your former self um that it's going to be okay and um if you were able to say something to your former self right now or maybe that 15-year-old girl somewhere out there in the world that you were just talking about who's going through heartbreak, what would you say to her? Mm. Um, hmm. I would say... Oh, God, so many things. <laughs> I would... I mean, 15-year-old me, if I look at her, like, she was so... Uh, desperate to get out in the world and, and create something of herself. And um, I would probably, I, I remember like my years in school, I saw them as just like, oh, I just wanna be somewhere else and be someone else and be far away from here. And I think now I wish I could have enjoyed those years a bit more because life will never be as stable as when you live at home and go to school every day. You don't have to think too much about anything. You just need to show up and be kind to people and learn as much as you possibly can. And if you do that, things will sort themselves out afterwards. But um, I was just sitting there waiting for those years to pass and I wanted to get away. So yeah, I would probably just say like, be where you are now and trust that Things will happen when they are supposed to happen. Yeah, that's really profound. Um, I think that's something that I'm still trying to learn myself, even now. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I think that's so important 
especially spiritually to to yeah to be in the moment and to not drive yourself crazy with all the things that have been or could be or should be um but then also when i look at your work i think you found a really good balance between that and also striving for more and for um yeah for goals that are higher than yourself and um yeah i think that's that's kind of important to to again just find a balance there yeah i think it's important to have or for me at least i mean everyone's different but i know that i am happiest when i have a mission ahead of me when i know that i'm working towards something and i have clear goals that makes me excited to wake up every day and it it makes me grow when i know that i'm gonna have to push myself to reach this goal um i know if i wake up and i'm just like coasting i'm just like taking it as it comes and i'm making another coffee that is nice for a day or two but then i get bored and nervous and worried and anxious because i have no clear structure um so yeah for me the balance is definitely having clear goals mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i think that yeah that's um i totally agree with that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, I think that um, it's so good to have have a goal and to have um, something to strive for. And while being happy where you are, you know, knowing it's it's good to be where I am, but I can also get to where I want to go. I think that's yeah, that's a really good way of thinking. So there's one more thing I'd really like to talk about and. That's your own podcast. Um, it's called Behind the Glass, and you've been doing it since 2018. Um, am I right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I was on uh, guesting so, so many podcasts through the years. Um, I, you know, podcast started blooming maybe 2000. 11 I would say maybe a bit earlier but I think I picked them up 11 2012 and I uh, realized really fast that this is a great way to reach like-minded people so I um, and it was so easy to to you know back then blogs were like the biggest thing music blogs and podcasts started blooming a little bit um so I started like reaching out to a lot of podcasts and um, I built really great friendships through them. So it just became like a really beautiful medium for me to get to speak about my music and, and get to know people. And then uh, I started my podcast a bit earlier um, than 2018, actually, but you wouldn't know that because I deleted those first episodes <laughs> because now uh, looking back, you know, Uh, I'm sure you know it yourself, like the first couple of times you try to do a podcast, it is way harder than you think it is <laughs> to get the quality good and to know what to say and to like sound relaxed and oh my God, it's like a whole art. Um, but yeah, I, I started my podcasts first, it was just like um, um, spoken spoken essay thing. Um, I had always gotten questions about making audiobooks of my books. And at that time, I didn't really have time to do that. And it was such a big process to speak 
the book. So I started the podcast as a way to like um, do one chapter at a time. I recorded my book, one chapter, and I published it as an episode. Um, but then the podcast kind of, it took many different shapes and forms. Um, then I started doing more like just talking about what I was working on. And then I started having guests on uh, for a season. I had a couple of different creative people on talking about creativity and uh, life as an artist and struggles and uh, victories. Um, and now uh, the last couple of months, I've, like you said, I've shared a lot of mental health tools that I've used myself this year, um, mixed in with some spoken word uh, pieces and, and spoken essays. And yeah, I mean, it's just like a different way for me to express myself again, that um, I can share things that I wouldn't be able to share in music or in a book or or so. So yeah, I love, I love podcasts, it's the best. Yeah, same here. But tell us more about your audiobook. Um, you just recorded one. Yes. So I've turned my, my, my first book, Empty the Roads and Broken Bottles, into an audiobook. And it will hopefully be out on all major audiobook stores in maybe four to five weeks. Um, I'm just waiting for all the stores to accept the book and take it in. And then it will be out. Yes. Yeah. Um, so everybody listening, go check it out. I'm also really curious about it and I'm gonna listen to it myself and yeah, I can't wait to hear it. So where else can listeners find you online? You can go to my website, uh, charlotteerickson.com and that's K-S-S in Ericsson. <laughs> um, or you can find me on social media, uh, on Instagram, I'm just a glass child. Um, or just, you can just Google Charlotte Erickson or The Glass Child and all my links will pop up on Google. Um, Charlotte, thank you so much for taking your time and being on this show. I really enjoyed this conversation with you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. It was really nice. It's been a pleasure and I hope we'll meet in person sometime. Yes, I hope so too. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you liked it. If you did, head on over to social media and let's connect there. Thanks again and talk to you soon.